in the final minutes leading up to midnight on New Year's Eve, Steve was staring at the clock nervously trying to finalize his New Year's resolutions, and then it hit him. He knew what he needed to do, so he jumped up, ran out the front door, across the yard, across the street to his neighbor's house, Carl. Knocks on the front door. Carl comes to the front door, says, hey, Steve. Steve says, hey, Carl. I've decided and resolved to be a much nicer person in the new year. So I felt like I needed to pop over real quick and let you know that you're a real moron. (laughs) I've been been holding on to that one all week long. Yeah, New Year's resolutions, they're really decisions, right? They're all about decisions. And when you're a kid... Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, pretty much gets you where you need to be. The red sucker or the green sucker. And then there's always the outlier of the yellow sucker, and none of us really know what that tastes like because we never chose that one. It's just like yellow, really? And I know you did. But when you grow into adulthood, as you get a little bit older, you realize that's not going to cut it. This little eeny, meeny, miny, mo thing, I, I need something a little bit more because we make decisions all the time. All day long, one decision after another. All week long, month long, year long. It's not just a New Year's kind of thing. We make decisions all the time. Often we make decisions without even thinking. They're like automatic, even habitual. And we don't even really put time into it, right? It's just the same. We do the same thing all the time. Um, A recent USA Today poll, I found this fascinating. Fun fact, USA Today poll recently found that 69% of all adults in America eat the same meals every week. How about that for boring? Right? Because, you know, I know what's good, and I just keep doing what I know, what what is familiar to me. Other decisions are well thought out and planned and executed. That's great. Some plans are easy to make. I mean, some decisions are easy to make. Other decisions are very challenging to make. Some decisions are so serious, we call them matters of life and death. Yeah, yeah, right. Some decision, uh, decisions are short-term, like the deodorant you use. Right? It's very short-term. It's going to wear off. And some, somebody's having an epiphany right now, like, that's what I forgot. We know. <laughs> we know. I just brought that up so that you would. Other decisions are long-term marriage. Some decisions are eternal. What am I going to do with God? How am I going to respond to his son, Jesus Christ? Many of you may be in like a pending decision moment right now. You came in here, you know, hoping for a bright light, and we got you covered on that. Right? Or, or, you know, seriously, you're, you're hoping for some clarity because you're in a pending decision right now, and you're not quite sure. What do I do? What do I do? Maybe you're delaying. Maybe you're trying to just kind of wait until the last minute. Maybe you're procrastinating. But you've got decisions in your life, and you feel maybe that you're under a time crunch. And it's just like, I don't know, I don't know. Perhaps you're in a period of indecision. And you're not quite sure whether to go this way or that way. I'm telling you, this whole decision stuff, this is a massive topic, isn't it? And there's so much that's been written on it. 
uh, not just from the spiritual side of things, but even the business side, psychologically, you know, people write books on this kind of stuff. All, all these different realms weigh in on decision making, and there's some fantastic stuff out there that you can read. I encourage you to learn all you can about decision making. So we're not going to cover everything. There's no way we can cover everything. But what we hope to do in this series is give you some handlebars so that you can, you know, pedal your life across the street with some better decisions than maybe you've made in 2018 to get better at this thing. Now, growing up in church, to be honest, we really never talked about decision-making all that much. Other than this, they would tell us, do what's right, okay, right? Or do what God wants you to do. Well, that's a surprise. I'm in church, right? And, and that, that's about it. And then we never got anything much more beyond that. And so we want to give you more than just that. We're going to talk about those kinds of things, but much more. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about decision-making a little bit because there's some things that you kind of need to know on the front end before you get into the, the nitty-gritty process of making decisions. And then for the next three weeks, week two, three, and four in this four-week series, we're going to get really practical and give you some how-tos. And we're going to see what God has to say to us about all this because there's so much we can learn. And what I want us to do today to kind of lay a foundation for where we need to go, not just today, but for the next several weeks. And I want us to go back into ancient Israel, just for a moment, the Old Testament scriptures, and hear the words of King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, outside of Jesus Christ himself, yet made some very unwise decisions. He wasn't perfect by any means. The wisest man that ever lived has some very interesting things to say. And most of what he wrote, he wrote to his children, his sons and daughters, because he wanted to help equip them to make good decisions. Because he knew, being so wise, that your life goes the directions of the decisions you make. So if we can make wise decisions and better decisions, our life will go in a better direction. At least that's the idea. This one thing I want us to highlight this morning is something specifically that King Solomon learned from his dad, King David. And he tells his kids when he's writing, he's saying, listen, this is something I learned from dad and I pass it on to you just like dad taught me. And it's kind of served as like the theme of everything he wrote in in Proverbs, which is the book we're going to be reading from. And then he goes on and writes Ecclesiastes. It's another book of wisdom. It's interesting stuff. So much of this is about wisdom, and he's, past, and he's sharing this with his children. So thankfully, he wrote it down so that we can learn from what he was sharing with his kids. And he said, my dad taught me, I'm going to teach you, get wisdom. Get wisdom and develop good judgment. Get wisdom and develop good judgment. Now, here's what's interesting. A lot of, a lot of times... We forget that wisdom is something we can get. We can get more of it than we have. I mean, a lot of times people assume you either got it or you don't. And if you do, great. And if you don't, oh, too bad for you. That's not true. Whatever amount of wisdom you currently have, you can increase that amount of wisdom. And you can develop good judgment. More than you have now. What is good judgment? Good judgment is knowing how to take what wisdom you have and apply it to real life. It's good judgment is understanding. Understanding how to take what you know and put it into real life scenarios. Get wisdom, 
develop good judgment. And then just a little bit below that, after saying a couple of other things, he circles back around to this, says it again in a different way. So repetition is for emphasis. He wants to make sure his kids get this. And he says it this way, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. He wants them to get it. It kind of sounds like a deathbed kind of thing, right? This sounds like the kind of thing you would tell your kids or your grandkids right before you die. You say that whatever you do, use good judgment, develop good judgment, get wisdom. The wiser you can be, the better off you are. Why would King Solomon put so much emphasis on wisdom and good judgment? Because those are the things that it takes to make good decisions. That's what great decisions are made of. Wisdom and the application of wisdom through good judgment. Now, what makes this tricky for me and you is that we all deal with three things. We all deal with the desire to get it right, and we, and we definitely want to get it right. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get it right. Whatever decision you're making, you want to get it right. Getting it right is better than getting it wrong, right? Nobody wants to be wrong. I don't know anyone that purposefully wants to be wrong. We want to get it right. And we also deal with fear. Fear. And I, yeah, yeah, I'm a pastor. I, sometimes I, I deal with fear. Fear that I don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm not sure if I should do this or do that because I don't know what's going to happen next. Or maybe I do know what's going to happen next. I have a pretty good idea. If I say this, then they're going to do this. Or if I do this, then they're going to do that. And it kind of creates this apprehensive fear, right? He said, well, I don't ever fear because I'm a Christian. Well, you're a clueless Christian because the rest of us deal with fear. It's just real, right? It's just real. And so we all want to get it right. That, that's what makes this whole thing challenging because we, no matter what, we want to be right, right? And sometimes that kind of takes us off course. And we deal with fear and doubt. My goodness. You make the decision. You got up and you make a decision. And you're thinking, whew, the decision's made. But that's not what we do, right? We make the decision, then we go, oh, I wonder if I made the right decision. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. And then when things start happening, you're like, what if, what if, what if? I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Maybe I should have done this, maybe I should have done that. We second guess ourselves to death. That's what makes this so difficult. And, and then there's this outlier, this other category that you might be in right now, and, and, and you're thinking, it's great, it's fantastic that you're wanting to talk about good decision making. Thanks, I'm sure a lot of people need that. But what if I've already made bad decisions? What if I've already screwed up? What if I'm already dealing with the shrapnel and the, and the fallout of some very poor decisions in my life? And, and that, to be honest, man, that's why I'm here. Because I'm, I'm hoping that, to turn some things around because I really messed some things up. What do I do if I've already made some bad decisions? I don't know. Tough. Moving on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to see if you were listening. Yeah. You know what? You're not alone. Every single one of us have made some bad decisions. Every single one of us has made poor decisions. And here's what you need to know. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Start making better decisions right now. Now, do you still have to deal with the consequences of the poor decisions from the past? Yeah. Those don't get removed. You still have to deal with the negative consequences that come with the poor decisions you make. But you can start making better decisions today. And here's what that means. 
You can't go and change the past. You can't go back and change the past, but you can, through better decisions, change the future. Did you know that? So what's the future like? I don't know, but you can influence the future. You can change the future with the decisions that you make. And so as we approach this whole thing of wanting to increase wisdom and better judgment, what I want to do for the rest of our time is to talk about some things you need to know before you start making some decisions. Some things that you need to put in place, at least mentally, to understand. And once you and I understand these things, we'll be set up to start making wiser decisions and develop much better judgment than maybe we did in 2018. So whatever decision you're getting ready to make, whatever decision it is you're mulling over and you're kind of circling around, whether it's a a financial decision or a career move or an education decision, college or not, and which college, or maybe it's a relationship decision. You know, do we get married? Do I choose him? Do I choose her? I wish I had someone to choose. Whatever, right? Or a health decision. It doesn't matter what kind of decision you're, you're making. Know this before you decide that decision, whatever decision it is. It's so very important for you to think about the decision you're getting ready to make because often we don't think, we just do. We don't think, we just make a decision. And if you will just think about some things and settle some things on the front side, then it will not only kind of remove some pressure from the decision-making process. I'm not saying it gets easy all of a sudden, but it removes some pressure, but it brings clarity of focus. So let's start. Here we go. Know this before you decide that. This is about wisdom. This is about good judgment. Ultimately, you can't control outcomes. Ultimately. Now just hang with me, okay? Hang with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. Ultimately, you can't control outcomes. This is one of the most maddening yet freeing principles. Ultimately, you cannot control outcomes. And let me tell you why that's odd, because I'll admit right up front, that's an odd thing to say in a decision-making series, because the whole reason we make decisions to begin with is to achieve certain outcomes, right? The whole reason you decide to do this is because you want that to happen. And you decide not to do this is because you don't want that to happen. We make decisions to try to achieve a certain outcome. So for me to say that you can't control, ultimately you can't control outcomes seems like what? And we often look at the outcome to decide whether or not we made a really good decision, right? We see what happens and then we go, that was a good decision. I'm so glad I said that. I'm so glad I did that. Or we wait to see what happens, husbands, don't we? And we see the look on our wife's face and we go, oh, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have said that. Can I get that back? You know, and she's like, no, I can't. And so to say I can't control outcomes, what is that about in decision making? Here's what it's about. You can set the direction of your life with decisions, but you cannot ultimately control results of the things that happen around you with decisions. That's why we say things like, but I thought it was going to go like this. That's why I did that. Or we say things like, you know, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. Why do we say the phrase, I didn't see that coming? Because we expected to see something else based upon the decisions that we made prior. 
But now, oh man, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I had no idea. I had no idea. Or I wish I would have known before I made the decision. You see, you can't ultimately control outcomes. Let me tease this out just, just a moment. Let's say you decide to go on a vacation so you put money back. You save money. That's a decision. You want to set the direction of a good, great vacation by setting money aside. You save money so you can go on a vacation. It's a great thing to do. Hope you can do that. But then you get that unexpected thing that happened. It broke, busted. Now you have to replace it. And that unexpected bill, paying that unexpected amount, there goes the vacation. You with me? You see, you, you set the direction of a great vacation, but you could, ultimately you couldn't control the outcome. Or you want to get better sleep. You want to get more sleep. And we all know what you need to do if you need to get more sleep, right? You go to bed earlier. That's the, just the number one thing you try. I got to go to bed earlier. So you go to bed earlier because you got to get more sleep. And then you have a nightmare about snakes in your bed, like I did last week. Yeah, snake in my bed. I'm thinking, well, what do you do when there's a snake in your bed? You get out of bed, and then you get ready to get out of bed and see a bigger snake coiled up beside the bed. And so I did what all of us would do. I wake up, and I didn't go back to sleep the rest of the night. I'm like, man, I went to bed on time even a little earlier because I needed extra sleep. I set the direction, but I couldn't control the outcome. Or you say, hey, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get healthy. So you diet and exercise, diet and exercise, diet and exercise. Because, you know, you want to be healthy. But here's the kicker. Healthy people die all the time. <laughs> healthy people die all the freaking time. They do. Right? How many stories do we know where he said, oh, he had a heart attack. What was he doing? He was running his fourth marathon. So, okay. Or, or you know, it was like we found out he had a hole in his heart. Or he just died. Or brain aneurysm, right? You can't plan for that kind of thing. Or how about this? Even the most healthy and fit person you know, they get cancer anyway. You can set the direction. You should, you should be healthy, but you ultimately cannot control the outcomes. This is very hard for me, personally, because I'm a planner. I plan everything. It's just the way my mind works. It's the way my life works. And so, I, you know, I mean, it's not like I can't be spontaneous. I can, but you've got to let me plan for it. <laughs> right? I can do nothing with the best of them if you let me carve out some time to do nothing. But I got a plan for it. And, and so this is very challenging because I can plan, I can plan, I can plan, and then something breaks, right? Or people happen, and I'm needed over here or over there. Or a squirrel crawls up into my dryer vent, into my dryer hose, into my dryer, and then one of my daughters turns on the dryer and chops the squirrel up into a bazillion bits. And we don't find out about it until about 10 days later when the thing starts to stink. And your next well-planned week is shot. That happened. Thanks for listening. I'll tell you more about it later. Still not over it. Oh, wow. The deal is there's a difference between desired outcomes and controlled outcomes. Desired outcomes and controlled outcomes. Bottom line, you and I have to learn how to make the best decision we can with the information and the resources we have and leave the results ultimately up to God and trust him with that. I'll say that again. You make decisions with the info you have and the resources you have and ultimately you have to leave the results up to God. 
you got to get this and chill. Just chill. You ultimately cannot control the outcome, regardless of what decision you're going to make. Now, you can have a desired outcome, and you can set the direction, but you are ultimately not in control of what happens. That's very important. Secondly, when you're making decisions, know this before that, before you decide that, it's not about you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. What is? Whatever decision you're getting ready to make, it's bigger than you. If it's a financial decision, it's bigger than you. It's going to affect more people than just you. If it's a career decision, it's bigger than you. It's going to affect the people in your life. The people that you've convinced yourself and you're making that decision for them, it's going to affect them, and maybe in ways that you don't anticipate. You need to think about that. Even the, the, the decision to diet and exercise, even to, to the decision to take care of yourself, which you should because it's honoring to God. It's bigger than you. It, it may determine how long you're around with those people that love you and depend on you and need you and how long you get to enjoy them. It's always bigger than you. Because, see, we need to know this because I hear people say this all the time and I find myself thinking these kinds of things. Well, this is just a, this is a me decision. This is just about me. I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this to love me. I'm doing this because this is something I need to do. That's fine. You can tell yourself however you want to convince yourself and give yourself permission to do whatever it is, but you better ask the question, how does this affect the other people in my life? Because it certainly does. And this is a concept that Jesus introduced in the first century. No other world leader was saying this kind of stuff. When Jesus came on the scene, he started talking about, you need to be thinking not just about yourself, but in everything you do, you need to think about other people. You need to think about how it affects them. You need to think about how it impacts their life. This is not just about you. It may involve you, but it's not just about you. Maybe we should get good at asking the question, who is this decision about really, really, really? Who is it about? Because you and I serve and love others through the decisions that we make. We serve others and we love others, or we don't through the decisions we make. So whatever decision you're getting ready to make, you need to understand it's bigger than just you. And it's bigger than just that decision. It's going to have a fallout. And it could be good, it could be bad, but you better think it through. Increase wisdom in this area and develop some good judgment. Ultimately, it's not something you can control. It's bigger than you. And this is huge. Number three, before you decide that, know this. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. I mean, get this. Two different spectrums here. On, on one side of things, the desire for things to be perfect keeps us in indecision, right? Well, I just want it to be perfect. I just want this to be the perfect job. I'm just looking for the perfect this, and I just want it to be perfect in this event. I just want it to be perfect, and I don't want to decide until I know it's going to be perfect, and I don't want to do this until I know it's going to be perfect, and, and I don't want to get married until I find the perfect man. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> right? It's just perfect, and I just want it to be perfect, and I just... And so you, you never decide anything. You, you just spin and circle, waiting for things to be perfect, and you think it to death. On the other side of the spectrum, you got people are like, well, I made a decision, and because it's not perfect, I guess I made the wrong one. 
right? Because it's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. And when it's not, as soon as they find out it's not exactly the way they perfectly wanted it to go, they, they start abandoning things and quitting things and starting over. And they go from job to job to job to job to job because they can't find the perfect job because there is no perfect job. And they go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship because they're trying to find the perfect guy or the perfect gal and, and they're never going to find it because they don't exist. They go from decision to decision, from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing because they want something to be perfect and they constantly live in the wishy-washy world of indecision. It's not going to be perfect. Relax. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know why? Because there's something called the grace of God. The grace of God that allows us to make mid-course corrections to help imperfect decisions. Do you know why it's not going to be perfect? Because you're making the decision and you're imperfect. It is impossible for imperfect people to make the perfect decision perfectly. Because of God's grace, we can adjust along the way and grow and mature and change and grow and mature and change. Now, does that mean you don't have to deal with the consequences of the past? No, it doesn't. You still have to deal with the consequences of past poor choices. That's a reality. But God's grace allows you to make mid-course corrections where you are because it's not perfect and still make progress in life. So because of God's grace, this is very important, there's no way back, but there's always a way through. Because of God's grace, even though you can't go back, you can always go further because there's always a way through. You gotta know that. That's freeing, guys, because some of you are... At a standstill, you're waiting for the perfect scenario, the perfect job, the perfect person, and you're missing out on life. Make the best decision you can. No, it's not going to be perfect because you're in it. And then, through God's grace, learn, grow, mature, change. Learn, grow, mature, and change. Make it great. Let me give you one example of this. One example of, of what this may look like. In an area where people are constantly really getting this decision thing out of whack. Let's talk about marriage just for a second. Marriage. If I had a nickel for every time a young couple sat in my office through the years and I would ask them this question. I always ask this question. Always, always. And I don't, I don't do marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling anymore. Um, but when I used to do it, and from time to time, I still end up talking to couples for different reasons. And I'll ask this question always. Why do you want to get married? Why? It's not a trick question. I'm not trying to make them doubt. I just want to know why. I mean, it's a very obvious question. You're getting ready to dump all kinds of money and inconvenience everybody on both sides of the family for the next however long. You'd better have a good reason for this. This is the way I'm looking at it. So why do you want to get married? You know, and oh, if I had a nickel for every time I heard something along the lines of... We're perfect. We're just perfect for each other. He's perfect for me. She's, she's just, she's, she's the perfect woman for me. And so I, I then very politely give them my pastor chuckle. <laughs> now on the inside, I'm rolling on the floor, right? But I can't do that out loud because that would be disrespectful. So I just, <laughs> and then I try to help them understand that's not the wise way to go into it because it's going to take them about 30 minutes after the I do to realize he ain't perfect 
She ain't perfect. We're not perfect for each other. Mm. So what do you do? What do you do when you're married and you realize in your marriage, in 30 minutes that may be an, you know, an exaggeration, but before the honeymoon's over, <laughs> somebody's going to be like, oh, dang, didn't know that. <laughs> like, wow, that's really? Oh, she squeezes the toothpaste tube from the middle. We're going to have problems. <laughs> Getting my own toothpaste tube. That's how you solve that one real quick. Anyway. You don't use more toothpaste. You know, it lasts twice as long. Because I, I thought it through. Um, we're not perfect for each other. Now what? Now what? What do you do when you realize this big decision of marriage? Well, a lot of people go, when they realize we're not perfect for each other, well, I need a new man. I need to find the perfect man. Obviously, he's a dud. I need a perfect woman. Obviously, I made a mistake. I need to get another one, a different one. And then they go find somebody else who is also imperfect, you might want to clue into the common denominator in all your marriages. You. <laughs> um, so, anyhow, they go from relationship to relationship, marriage to marriage to marriage, looking for the perfect thing. There is no perfect thing. That's what some people do. Now, here's the right thing to do. Here's the best thing to do. Here's the wise thing to do. Here's the good judgment thing to do. It's when you realize, obviously, this marriage is not perfect because he's not perfect and I'm not perfect and she's not perfect and I'm not perfect. Then you lean into the good, great grace of God. And you learn and you grow and you mature and you change. You change and she changes. She changes and you change. You grow. He changes. Everybody changes. You change together. You learn. You grow and you change and you mature. And you learn and you grow and you change and mature. And you make mid-course correction. The mid-course correction is not, well, forget you. The mid-course correction because of God's grace is now. Now, this is not going to be perfect because we're in it. So let's make it great. Let's learn and grow and change together. Thinking about the marriage decision, ultimately you can't control the outcome. Do you know that? If you're single, you need to know going into marriage. You can't control the happily ever after. You can't control the happily all the time because you can't control them. You can't even control the ever after. Somebody may die really soon. You never know. So you go into it saying, okay, it's not about me trying to control the happily ever after. And this is bigger than me. The I do is bigger than you. Get that. That I do is so much bigger than you. And it's not going to be perfect. If I know those things up front, then I can go into marriage leaning into the grace of God and learn to make it great. By the way, in February, we're going to be doing a whole series on marriage and relationships. So we'll get to some of that stuff then. But do you see what I'm talking about? So, so okay, today, know these things before you make decisions. Now, here's what's going to happen. For the next three weeks, we're going to give you three different filters to put on the front end of this decision-making process. We're going to look into God's word and we're going to discover three different kinds of filters that we can put in our lives on the front end. So when we have to make a financial decision, a business decision, a relationship decision, a health decision, whatever kind of decision, we can know these things that we've just talked about. So that kind of sets the foundation and now run it through these filters. And when we do, we make better decisions. Because I've discovered that decisions are decided in the process of deciding. 
Decisions are decided in the process of deciding, and that's true for Christians and non-Christians. So that means if I get a better process, I'll make better decisions. I don't know what some of you are thinking. Well, that's great, but I can't wait for the next three weeks because i got to make a decision by tomorrow. What do I do? Here's what you do. Okay. You know these things up front. Get these things clear in your mind up front. And then you begin by asking God to help you increase in wisdom as you make this decision. And ask, you, ask God to help you make good, judgment-driven decisions. Let's look at this passage one more time. Because get wisdom and, and good judgment, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. The wisest thing you can do, 2019, is, is getting wisdom. And no matter what you do, develop good judgment. Now, unfortunately, wisdom and good judgment often comes on the heels of not being wise and <laughs> not using good judgment. But at least you're making decisions. At least you're moving. At least you're making progress. And you have the grace of God to lean into, not to make sure that you don't ever have anything negative, but to learn and grow and mature and change. And learn and grow and mature and change. I don't know what decision you're trying to make. I don't know what decision you're currently in the process of making. You know that very well. But I want us to end our time asking God to help us use wisdom and good judgment in this decision. And then in the next three weeks, we're going to apply these filters on the front side to help us bring clarity and focus to the decisions. It doesn't make it easier, but it will make it clearer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for having Solomon write down these things that are just as important now as they were when he wrote them to his children. Wisdom and good judgment, I need it. We need it. Now, I don't know what decisions are represented in this room, on those that are watching online, and our other locations, but I know there's got to be some major ones that are on the table right now. Only you know all the details. And I'm sure there's some small ones peppered in here and there along the way. But Father, help us to understand that we can come to you and depend on your strength and your grace and your wisdom and the judgment that comes from knowing you and following your principles. That we can look to you and depend on you to help us navigate these things. Father, help me, help us together, not to try to control everything, to make the best decisions we can with what we have in front of us, and then trust you with the results. And help us to think bigger than just us. Help us to think about those we love and those who love us, the people that we're responsible for, the people whom our lives touch, that are affected by all these decisions. It's never just about us. And help us to lean into your grace and let go of the expectation of perfection from us and from those around us. And we look forward to what we're going to learn together in the next three weeks. In Jesus' name, amen.